Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hey, and welcome back to this week's episode of Imagine More. I'm so excited that you're tuning in. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend Rochelle, the founder of Watchword Brand, to the show. Watchword is a team of experts, content professionals. We have experience in branding, messaging, naming, content marketing, market research, and the list goes on and on. Uh, true experts in their space, and I'm really excited to dig in and learn more about Rochelle's journey. Let's get started. Hi, Rochelle. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, we are excited to learn more about your entrepreneurial journey, what makes you imagine more and and everything um, business. And to kick things off, do you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about Watchword? Oh, absolutely. So Watchword is a, you know, three-year-old, give or take, um, brand content firm. And so I know that's a little bit of a, of a different moniker, but um, we do three things really, really well. We do branding, writing, and research. And, um, and we do all of that from a content focus. And so um, as a team, we are a group of um, really kind of specialized, experienced writers. And we've translated that into the capacity to, you know, write just about anything, um, but also to think on a brand level with companies. And so a lot of what we do entails um, creating positioning and messaging for companies um, that's really, really targeted to their audience, that really helps them stand out um, in, you know, noisy marketplaces, um, and that really helps to take the things that they tend to um, rally around internally and put it into the marketplace in a way that others will understand and care about. And so, you know, that might be um, helping to cultivate core values um, and then describe how strategy is built around those core values. Um, Or it might be naming a new product in a way that's really evocative um, for, you know, a, a set of key audiences. So, Um, And the research piece of it is just in that we are all lifelong learners and we really believe that particularly in a creative field, um, setting strategic context is just absolutely paramount to the success of of really um, any campaign or task. I love that. Did you, is there a certain kind of niche in industry that you serve best as well? That is a great question. So um, I started um, doing what I do um, in the late 90s. And um, my job at the time was running editorial and market research for um, the technology office of Ogilvy PR here in Atlanta. And, um, and what we were doing was bringing blue chip companies into the internet. And so at the time, the internet was emerging technologies. Um, and I know I'm aging myself. Um, <laughs> but since that time, um, I have found that we live very, very comfortably in the technology space um, and, and even in emerging technologies, um, you know, in AI and machine learning and 
um, neuroscience and, you know, different things that require a high learning curve in order to be able to articulate it to a broader marketplace. And so I would say that that's an area that we have continually excelled at um, for a long time. And I've brought writers in who are very capable of doing that kind of work. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, just generally, um, we work very, very comfortably in B2B. Um, not to say we don't do any um, consumer work, um, but it, it takes almost a change management mindset to do B2B well. And um, that's something that um, I, I feel like we were very comfortable um, and, and very capable of doing. That's great. I'm interested to hear. So coming from a more corporate background, mm -hmm. when did you make the switch? Was there a defining moment that you decided to go out on your own? <laughs> so I think I was probably always destined for that. Um, I grew up the uh, child of an artist. And so, you know, the ultimate entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, my mom kind of helped him run the business. And, you know, I was raised with that mantra um, of, you know, if you love what you do, success will follow. Um, I fully thought that that was, you know, kind of a career path. And, um, and honestly, it, it really kind of has been. You know, I um, was actually supposed to go to work for Accenture um, as a consultant when I graduated from, from college and um, ended up being offered a position um, to stay at the university that, that I was attending, which was Wake Forest, um, to study for two more years um, with uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. And so that was this opportunity to just go do my own thing. And, um, you know, I had a job you know, around that. And I think that probably that was where things really kind of took the turn. And I realized, <laughs> wow, I can, you know, pursue my passions here. Um, and so I spent two years, you know, digging in and writing and, um, and came out and realized that I wasn't quite sure what to do with that because, you know, master's in literature um, with a focus in African-American women's literature and a business degree is just a weird combination. Um, and so that's where I took that corporate turn for a little while, but it didn't last all that long. And even while I was there, I was very much an entrepreneur, always kind of thinking about things that I could be doing for the company and our clients um, that didn't already exist. Um, but it wasn't until I became a mom that I really realized that a big piece of being an entrepreneur for me is having control over my time and, um, and, and my drive. Um, and so, you know, that's really, I think, where that decision was, was put firmly into place. And um, the journey since that time has been a bit iterative, but um, I think it's gotten me where I am now. And, and I'm feeling very fortunate to be where I am now. Okay. I would love to dive into the mom piece. I mm -hmm. have been struggling a little bit with this thought of how am I going to be able to do, so not a mom yet, would love to be one day and would love to be the best you know, and most present person I can be, but also feel like I can't necessarily or don't want to give up kind of this business side mm -hmm. of things. Um, and, and I'm fascinated, I guess, with the thought around time management. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I am not managing my time well right now. And I'm curious, and I'm working, you know, there's, okay, rambling, sorry, one, one, there's some quote and it's like, um, you'll do anything to own your own business, but then you end up working like 80 hours a week instead of 40 because you're passionate about it. So have you been able to set really clear boundaries of 
you know, I'm not going to work after this time or how do you shut off the business piece? <laughs> That's a very long question. That, and <laughs> my internal struggle there. No, and, and I think you just said it exactly right. That is an internal struggle and it is an eternal struggle. Um, it's really, really hard. Um, and I am going to be the first to admit that I am terrible at it. Um, I am a bit of a workaholic. Um, so I have kind of two answers for you. Um, one, personally, is that... Um, I don't shut off the business. Um, I, I love the work that I do. Um, I love my team. I love my clients. Um, and I'm very fulfilled in working. Um, where I do draw strong, thick, black lines around my life is um, there are certain hours of the day that belong to my children. Um, I have two teenagers, so they don't need me much, but when they do, I want to be there for them. And so usually that is right around the dinner hour, and um, it's really important to our family. And my husband is an entrepreneur as well, and he has kind of made the same commitment. Um, um, whenever there's the opportunity for our kids to be at the dinner table, we are all at the dinner table. And um, I love to cook and I love to have my kids in the kitchen with me. And so, you know, that is a time of the day that is really precious that I do not answer my phone. Um, you know, if I'm in the kitchen cooking and my kids are doing their homework and we're having a conversation around the dinner table, um, that, is, that is the only place that I am. Um, and then, you know, later in the day, they go and do their homework and I go back to work. Um, and, you know, it's usually a pretty late night, but at least we've had that time. And that's really special. The second part of the answer is um, to something that you said about, you know, kind of looking toward having a family and not knowing how to kind of um, bring that into the current schedule that you're keeping. Um, one of the reasons that I left my position um, in, you know, kind of corporate PR was because it was lots of hours and it was lots of travel and it was lots of stress and it was lots of answering to others. And I realized that um, I was not going to be able to be the kind of mom that I wanted to be and also have that career. Um, and, and at the time, there wasn't the option to have both, um, or at least not one that I was able to find. And so I made the decision to go be a stay-at-home mom. And, um, and I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't great at that. I needed, I needed to have some intellectual balance. Um, but one of the reasons why I decided to start Watchword is to be able to provide really, really smart and talented and committed um, individuals, moms and dads, um, you know, the opportunity to have what I couldn't find. And so it's been interesting. Um, the team that has grown around this, around this company, um, has, has been exactly that. We have one, you know, young mom, um, who had a baby a couple months ago and has continued to sort of work as she has felt capable of, and she's doing great work and we're only giving her what she can handle. Um, another who's planning to have a child and we're already putting plans in place for what does life look like, you know, afterwards. And I give them all the freedom that they need to decide how much they can do. And we just make it work because it's possible to make it work and they are wonderful and it's working well. So, you know, um, 
maybe a little idealistic to think that balance can exist, but I'm committed to helping do my part. (laughs) I love that. I appreciate you letting us get on a tangent and for the listeners listening in, um, a little bit of a therapy session there. Mm -hmm. Um, So you recognized pretty early on that writing was a big passion of yours. Mm -hmm. And as you've grown the business, are you still actively playing a part in that role or, you know, you were in a different, um, kind of job description now that's you're not tapping into the writing as often? Um, that's a great question. And it's actually something that um, I've been talking about um, today with, with someone else as well. One of the exercises that I have found really, really valuable as someone who is kind of building a, a company, a small company, particularly one that is services based, is um, I love to be a producer, right? I love to write. I love to name. I love to message. I love to do those those things that I got into this business to do. And I want to continue to do a lot of them. Um, but, you know, I'm only one person. And, and so um, there's an exercise that is basically listing out the things you love, the things you like, and the things that you loathe. And kind of cross-listing the people on the team or around you who could take on the things that you loathe, help you with the things that you like, and maybe support you in the things that you love. And I try to do that exercise, you know, when I'm kind of thinking quarterly about, you know, sort of where are things. Um, It helps me to put my priorities to the most fulfilling kinds of of production work and to create the space for, um, you know, actually working on um, building, you know, this business. So, you know, what that looks like mostly for me right now is um, I'm, I'm highly involved in the strategy work that we do with our clients. I'm highly involved in the brand level work that we do with our clients. And um, I am always a last pass for any of the writing that comes out of our team. I appreciate you sharing that exercise. I think it's something <clears throat> that could be really powerful for like in like teams to do as well and see, you know, this person loves writing blog posts, this person doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful exercise. Do you mind sharing like one or two things that are top on the loathe list that you are trying <laughs> to actively delegate? <laughs> yes. Um, I loathe white papers. I loathe them. I just, you know, <laughs> and I've done so many of them. Um, and, you know, I probably shouldn't say that into the world because, you know, technology companies need white papers. But what I have found is um, there is a member of my team, for example, who um, she is really good at them and she's really good at turning them into ebooks that are super digestible. Um, and another member of our team who's a part-time college professor and man, she can write with an academic voice like nobody's business. And so it was kind of just being able to sort of plant that flag and say, no, you know what? I don't like these. And quite frankly, I'm probably not the best person at them because I don't like them. Um, that opened up the door for someone else to step in and say, you know, actually I'm, I'm pretty darn good at these. So, um, so that's probably the one main example that I would give. That's a good one. I typically hear like accounting, but knowing a little bit about your husband's career, is, he, is that something that he's helping with? Oh yeah. I'm terrible at bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I, when you asked that question, I immediately went to client work, but as far as like running the business work, yeah, no, I'm not very good at bookkeeping, but fortunately I have a really, really good bookkeeper living under the same roof. <laughs> That's great. I mean, switching gears a little bit to having that entrepreneurial energy every day in the house. 
Um, is that something that you think is starting to, the kids are starting to feed off of that and starting to think entrepreneurial? Mm-hmm. Like, are there conversations around the dinner table about the companies that they're going to start as well? Um, that's a great question. We sort of laughingly say that we are completely screwing them up and ruining them from ever being able to be hired. Um, but no, I think, um, you know, they look at us and I think that what they see is, um, not so much this title of entrepreneur, but more of this, this is what being passionate about your work looks like. And, um, and I'm really, really grateful to be able to sort of give that to them. Um, and, you know, as far as how that's becoming sort of translated into their worlds, um, you know, one of them is 16, um, almost 17, and the other is just 14. But both of them teach music lessons, for example, um, you know, and our son who, you know, now is driving and needs money um, as he kind of looks at, OK, well, how am I going to do that? He's not so much thinking about like, well, maybe I'll go scoop ice cream. He's thinking, OK, well, maybe I can get some more drum students or, you know, do something like that where I've got some control over my time and I can make, you know, $30 an hour um, and not, you know, $8 an hour. Um, so I, I do think that maybe it's warming their way into their psyche a bit, but my hope is no matter what they do, um, their takeaway is, you know, just, just love it, be fulfilled by it. That's great. Did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family and always knew you wanted to start something? I don't know that I always knew that I wanted to start something, but yeah, it was a very fluid entrepreneurial environment. Um, my mom stayed at home, um, kind of helped my dad. Um, he built an art business that um, was ultimately kind of contracted to another much larger business. Um, and so, you know, I kind of watched that happen. Um, but I don't know that I was ever really paying much attention to it because it was a skill set that I did not have at all. Um, I, you know, he, he's an artist. I can't barely write my name. Um, and, you know, so, so I don't know. Um, I think I did realize probably that being told what to do was not something I was real comfortable with. And that probably (laughs) came from him. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So I think it's the interesting paradigm of, or the um, kind of job roles of the creative, maybe got kind of loathed all the business type things, but that's where your mom complimented him really well and was able to support to grow the business. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. It's like you're looking in our windows. She is absolutely brilliant at organizing and, um, you know, thinking strategically when it comes to, you know, maximizing the use of your finances and things like that. Um, he was really lucky to have her involved in that regard. And, and we've been really lucky in learning from her in that regard. Kind of growing up in that environment, did you ever consider bringing on business partner or a co-founder to kind of help fill those gaps of things that were either on the low list or things that you weren't super crazy about or comfortable doing initially? Oh, golly. I still think about that. Um, you know, being a, being a solo entrepreneur is a, is kind of a lonely gig. Um, so, you know, I'm always kind of thinking about, you know, would, would I, would I be better for my clients and the people on our team if I had a partner? Um, you know, that's a checkpoint that I'm regularly um, touching. Um, I will say I did have um, another company um, a number of years ago and had um, two co-founders. So there were three of us and um, it was not a good experience. But I think that it was um, there were some unusual factors there that just made it not work. And what I took away from that was um, it took me far too long to have the courage to walk away. 
Um, and so, you know, there's a, there's an ability to learn something in every situation. And what I learned was, you know, um, while I'm comfortable in this situation, I'm going to continue to touch base on that question of a partner. Um, but if the situation ever did present itself and the partnership wasn't working, I think it would behoove everyone just to, um, dissolve and, and, and try to figure out what situation would work better. So, you know, I tend to take a fairly fluid look at, um, at that situation. That's fair. That's, I mean, an interesting perspective too, to when you're starting something new, I wonder if that played a piece of like, I'm going to hold it near and dear to, you know, I will start it initially because of kind of the experience in the past. Mm-hmm, maybe. Yeah. What do you do when you're feeling drained um, to recharge? Like what kind of pumps you up? Um, you know, I think that time with my family is certainly a big one for me. Um, you know, not everyone's fortunate enough to say that they have two teenagers who actually like them. Um, and so I, I really delight in that. Um, and I have a great marriage. Um, I absolutely adore spending time with my husband. He's, you know, he's, he's the fun one in the family. So that is always a great way to recharge. Um, and I am, um, a very dedicated runner. And so I find that, um, spending that time early in the morning by myself, often out outside, um, you know, listening to a podcast and just thinking, um, is, is a way that I am sort of readying myself every single day. Are you an early riser runner or a... I am. (laughs) No, I'm very disciplined. Um, I am not a snooze button kind of gal. Um, I am very, very disciplined in in getting up and, you know, my clothes are laid out the night before and, um, you know, even the dog knows what the sounds sound, you know, what the sounds are and and the two of us are up and out. Um, So, you know, it, it, I have to because if I stop and check email or something like that out the, on my way out the door, I'm not going to get out the door. Yeah, no, that's fair. I love hearing about people's routines. So it sounds like early riser, run, get ready for the day, and then not even check emails until the office. Oh, no, no, no. I check emails as soon as I'm in for okay. my run. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I'm, I'm usually kind of in from the run, grab a coffee, you know, check, check emails real fast, um, you know, and then get to the office and kind of have my game plan laid out. Um, you know, I spend time on Sunday evenings planning out the week. Um, what's the one big thing for each day? And then um, I keep a color-coded uh, calendar. Um, thanks to a suggestion of a, of a friend and colleague who's much smarter than myself. Um, and so I build that out at the start of the week. And in the morning when I come in for my run, it's a quick check of the email to get a temp check and a check of the calendar to see what the priority is and how the day is going to lay out. And then I'm, and then I'm ready to go. You're my type of girl with a color-coded calendar. I <laughs> love that. And I um, I don't know if you're referencing Jeff um, as a friend of ours. But I am. Okay. <laughs> I can get a great visual of internal meetings versus external versus client meetings. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. A good tip. <laughs> yeah. He's full of good tips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reference his podcast. We'll have him on again soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what is next on the horizon for Watchword? Where do you see the brand going? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think that we are um, we're really starting to pull on the string a little bit. And so, you know, by that, what I mean is um, over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of clients who have seen us as writers or 
a lot of clients who have seen us as, you know, brand folks and not necessarily someone who can kind of help bring something into the world and then continue to keep it alive and keep it growing. And so what I see next for the company is um, more of those long-term relationship kind of, um, you know, kind of engagements where we are a true, true partner um, for a long, long time for, you know, for our clients. Um, So that's one. The other one is just doing more um, executive ghostwriting. Um, We've done a few um, books over the last year, and that is something that is just so awesome and fun. And with so many executives being advised to put their books into the world as a way to um, extend their thought leadership and the presence of their brand, um, you know, through that written medium or the, or the digital medium. Um, we're an awesome partner, um, in doing that. And, and it's something we really, really enjoy doing. So those are probably the two big pillars. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I was always, I'm always curious if the executives sit down to write their own book or if they do get some help because that sounds like such a daunting activity with everything else on your plate or especially for maybe perhaps business owners or executives like me that don't love to write mm-hmm. like how to manage something like that you remember that um loathe love mm-hmm. like list <laughs> that is a great way to start and um you know we we have some who you know they really like to put their ideas down and and they really hate to wordsmith um, and others who really like to write, but just need a last pass, you know, editor who's got a really, e- you know, eagle eye and a big red pen. Um, and others who just need to be talked through from the very get-go. It really depends on, you know, what they love and where they feel confident. Um, and, you know, we become that partner and that, and that voice, um, you know, wherever the starting point might be. It's a really great way of building, you know, relationships. And, um, you know, we're really privileged to be able to do it. Absolutely. Well, if I hear of anyone that would like to start a book, I will certainly pass them your way. <laughs> Do you enjoy um, partnering with publishing agencies or is that kind of a service offering that you would do as well? You know, that's a great question. Um, we have not thus far done that. Um, typically, by the time that um, someone comes to us, they have a lot of those nuts and bolts kind of figured out. Um, that's more kind of an agent and you know, um, some of those processes, not to say that we don't have the capacity or some of those relationships. We just haven't been asked to necessarily do that. Well, interesting. That's good to know. What about, um, okay, a couple more questions to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. First being, is there a podcast or a book or, um, some sort of inspiration that you've been drawing a lot from recently? That's just getting you really pumped and excited. Oh, wow. Um, I think probably the podcast that just gets my brain swimming is how I built this. Um, I just take something away from every single one of those interviews. Um, so that would probably be the big one for me there. Um, and then, you know, as far as reading goes, I'm the worst possible person to ask because I read constantly and, and in lots of um, shapes and sizes. And so I, I'm hard pressed to find one thing that I would say inspires me more than another. Um, but how I built this is going to be where I'm going to plant that flag. That's a good one. Mm. Have you heard of the app Blinkist? Yes. I love Blinkist. Yes. Blinkist is great. 
It's great. Um, just a quick 20-minute audio or a few slides to read the gist of the book. I mean, yeah. certainly you don't get everything, but... Um, no, but it's great. It's it's perfect parking lot reading. Um, you know, if you're waiting for something, like I'll just pull up and like, huh, I just reread Good Do Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company and um, in hopes to work together? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that probably, you know, our website is obviously the easiest, um, you know, way to find us. Um, we're just Watchword Brand. And um, we're on LinkedIn, and you know that's that's probably the easiest. But um, you know, hello at watchwordbrand.com will always uh, will always get to me, and it's much easier to spell than Rochelle. So that's <laughs> so I would say our website or just hello at watchwordbrand.com is gonna is gonna get us. So yeah, perfect. I had I had one more question. Where did the name come from? So. We love naming things, right? And so the pressure to, to name your own company, you would think would be just, you know, hyper, hyper high. But here's the thing. Um, what we exist to do is to help companies to create content that resonates with the audiences that matter most to them, right? And that always starts inside. And so that always starts with, you know, what is our rallying cry? What is that one, one or two things that really get us aligned and excited and passionate and working hard? Um, and another word for a rallying cry is watchword. Um, and so when I was really kind of thinking about what this company should be, that just felt right. Um, and uh, thus far it has proven to be. So a watchword is a rallying cry and that's what we do. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thanks so much for carving out the time as well. We really appreciated all of your insight and knowledge. Well, this is an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me.